Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. I'm Tara Crowley, and my current role is OKHR Certification Chair, and Rob Trotter is Senior HR's President and also on the OKHR's Board. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story and what makes them tick. Hi, Rob. Hey, Tara. How are you doing? I'm good. What do you have for us today? Uh, I've got uh, I've got a little bit of a fever, Tara. Uh, yes. OU Women's softball fever. Yes. I am just enamored with these young ladies as they are in the World Cro- World Series right now. Final game tonight, Florida State. Yeah. Uh, you know, Thursday when they were playing, I didn't even I wasn't even on my radar. But we have a vendor here. Uh, for my training software that went to James Madison University. And the first person she called on back to Dallas was me to give me such a hard time. So uh, no way. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. I was at that game. Yeah, I was at that game. And so my neighbor told me I can never go back (laughs) to so so, anyway. Wow. All right. Well, I'm super excited today. Um, because number one, we have the finale uh, with o- OU and Florida State. So mm-hmm. do, do we all want to pick? Uh, but then secondly, we have a super guest today. I'm so excited. Do you know who our <laughs> guest is today? Super. Right. Our guest is Barbara Abercrombie. And Barbara is a big time, has is big with university leadership. Barbara's current role is as University of Tulsa's VP and Chief HR Officer. She's also led the following universities in a strategic HR capacity, the University of North Texas, Texas A&M, University of Arkansas, and obviously now, or and, sorry, but let me back up, University of Oklahoma at Tulsa and Northeast, um, Northeastern State in Tahlequah. All of this leads to strategic HR. Barbara's education took her for a trip around Oklahoma, gaining her bachelor's from Northeastern State University, a master's in human relations from OU, and a PhD. See, I'm out of breath with all of this stuff. A PhD in occupational education from OSU. And most recently, uh, Ms. Barbara spoke at OKHR State Conference in April this year about HR evolving with changing times. And I'm very excited to speak with Barbara because I quote something from whenever she spoke at a conference, an OKHR conference in 2014, where she drilled home that HR needs to be the department of yes. So please welcome Miss Barbara Abercrombie. Hello. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me today. I am so excited to be here. I love talking about HR stuff. Love sharing um, with other HR professionals that get as excited as I do about our field. It's a great one. So I'm just super happy that you guys invited me today, and I'm so glad to be here. Well, thank you. So we've never met in person. And so I'm so excited. We got on this call. We got on our Zoom and we're just like, hello, hello, I'm this. So I'm so excited. I hope to hear so much about you and about your background. But why don't you start off on telling us and our podcast about your background and how that led to your career and what your current experience is? Yeah. 
love to. Well, um, first and foremost, let me say that I don't know that any little boy or girl um, dreams of being an HR professional when they grow up, but <laughs> um, but I grew up as a um, in generational poverty, and I um, was a first generation non traditional college student that um, graduated from Northeastern State University. Completely changed my life and my family's life. I graduated in 1993 and my mom graduated in 1994 and it was um, life changing for our family. And so higher education really um, was a catalyst for completely changing the way our family grew and learned and um, were able to actually be get out of generational poverty. So so when I had the opportunity many, many, many years ago, um, I was in corporate and in the corporate world and um, had been doing that for quite some time and and was doing training and development in the corporate world and kind of fell into it and loved it, absolutely loved it. And so did that and then went to work for, and I was living in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, love Tahlequah, um, home of the Cherokee Nation, the Eleanor River and Tim Killer. And I was there for four years, I was the Main Street and Chamber of Commerce Executive Director. And I got a call from Northeastern State University and that said, hey, would you think about coming to go and getting back into HR? And I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about higher ed HR, but absolutely got to go to work for my alma mater, which was super special and fell in love with higher ed HR and just really figured that that um, was number one, a wonderful way for me to give back to an institution that completely changed my family, to give back to a, a, a work world that does so much every day for our students. And so I tell people all the time that what I feel most excited about is I get the opportunity every day to come into work and the, the people that work with me in my office do the same thing. We come into work every day knowing that what we do helps our faculty and staff do good for our students. And that's what it's all about. And so I am just, I'm thrilled to be Tulsa's home for me. I grew up in Salina, Oklahoma, tiny little town northeast of here. And so Tulsa's been home and I've, I've gone, traveled a lot at different institutions and in different places and lucky enough to, I, I tell people all the time that as hard as the pandemic has been, it's been kind of great for us because we, we sold our house in Dallas. We moved back home got new jobs and it's just kind of been crazy, but I had kind of said all along and um, that, you know, my dream job would be if the University of Tulsa ever really decided to hire a chief HR officer. And so I'm working from home at my job at University of North Texas System and I get a text message from a friend of mine that says, your dream job just posted. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It was just kind of, it was, you know, it was one of those things where it just completely worked out. It was a great opportunity for me and I'm thrilled to be at the University of Tulsa. Uh, What's kind of funny is I started last October in the midst of the pandemic and I met my boss face to face for the first time a month ago. So it's just, oh my gosh, crazy, but that's a long way to, to answer that question about how I ended up in HR, but that's how I ended up in HR. Well, tell us about what, you know, like a, a day looks like in a, in a strategic role for what you've done at any of your capacities, because you landed in, you know, quite a few different places. And 
I just remember the story that you told in 2014 about walking into a very established um, environment and then helping make change. So do you have, you want to tell that story or another story about that? I'll I'll tell you, it's so funny. I I tell people all the time that my role in every HR office I've taken on is to come in after someone that's been there a very long time and had done good work. Um, but that it's time for change. And so I'm a change agent. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I do. It's what I'm really good at. And and I'm a, a strategic partner with our campuses. And and I, at, at almost every institution that I've taken over for, I have come in as um, either the first or second person to report directly to the president. And I will tell you that there is something to be said for having your chief HR officer at the table and being able to help make those strategic decisions, because that is how we transform culture and that is how we make change for the organization. And, you know, I, 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 when I got the job at the University of Arkansas, I was told by the search committee, the HR office is the office of no. And I heard that a lot from other HR offices as well, that we are the office of no. And so my mantra is, and always has been, we are the office of yes and. And (laughs) we can say yes when someone comes to us and says, hey, I want to do this. We can say yes. And here's how we can make that happen. Here's how we can adjust to ensure that we're following our policies and procedures to ensure that we're doing this as legally and ethically as possible. But yes, we can do this. And, mm-hmm. and that is um, what I do. That's how I come into organizations. And I've been like, like you said, I've, ha- I've had such a wonderful opportunity to work with some great presidents and some really fantastic institutions that have allowed me to um, grow and try new things and say, hey, we should, let's work on this. Let's work on this. And, and, and everyone's been like, okay, let's do it. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a big proponent of make your HR office be the office of yes and, because that you will change everything when you start doing that. Yeah, I agree. Can you give us an example of whenever that occurred for you? Whenever you were involved in that situation, I mean, are you willing to? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can, probably, um, I think probably the, the best example I can give you is when I went to Texas A&M and Texas A&M, large, large matrix organization, 70,000 students, um, we have 15,000 full-time faculty and staff, another 8,000 part-time adjunct student workers, um, just a, a absolutely huge organization. And I was hired as the first vice president that was reporting directly to President Young. And, uh, and my role was to come in and make the HR office be a strategic partner for the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a big lift. But one of the things that I, I met with my team and I said, okay, tell me what, tell me, tell me what our big issues are. And one of the things that we kept running into was, was people, people trying to skirt around the policies and procedures that had to be mm-hmm. set because of Texas law. So one of the things that people don't know about Texas is that they have some very stringent rules around their state agencies and Texas A&M is considered a state agency. 
And so our office, because they wanted to make sure that we weren't doing things that were against the law, said no to everything. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, okay. can't do that. And mm -hmm. no, we, you know, we can't hire this person this way because of this. We can't do this because of this. We can't promote because of this. And I said, let's start figuring out how we can do this without breaking the law. Let's think about how right. we can make that happen. And so particularly around um, promotions and um, reclassifications, it's like, guys, we have this great opportunity because we don't have any regulations holding us back from this, but we have put these things in place that don't need to be there. And so mm -hmm. we started saying, yes, yes, and let's figure out how to make this mm -hmm. happen. And so we were able to do some very um, innovative things around promotion. We were able to do some really innovative things around recruitment and retention because it's, you know, one of the big things is what people don't realize necessarily about Texas A&M is that it's in College Station, Texas, which mm -hmm. and basically College Station, Texas is Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you got to be creative to get people to come to College Station, Texas. Yeah. So, yeah. So Inst instead of Austin, I mean, hell, exactly. hello, that's not that far away. <laughs> exactly. That's it. And yes. And, you know, when I was recruited there, I said, well, tell me a little bit about Texas A&M and College Station. And the first thing I heard was, well, it's three hours from Dallas. It's an hour and a half from Houston and an hour and a half from Austin. And I thought, mm -hmm. if this is what we're telling people, that we're telling you how far away we are from big cities, <laughs> we need to fix that. <laughs> so, and so we started changing the narrative around that as well. Instead of saying how far away we are from someplace else to go visit, what do we have right here that is kind of neat and charming and, and would draw yeah. people in to come to work for us? So, Yeah. Yeah. It, I uh, used to recruit, um, and go to Texas A&M and just remember how large that campus was. And another person I would recruit with, she said that the in-between classes was 20 minutes or something longer because it took so long to get from yes. one side of the campus to the other. And I just remember thinking, oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Um, that sounds wonderful. What, what do you say about... Um, you know, I still get so stuck on that, what you just talked about, but what do you say about what lights your fire? You talk about being a change agent. What else um, can you tell us about what makes you tick and what you love about your career? You know, what I absolutely love is, because one of the cool things about HR2 is, you know, we get to bring on people that in into our HR offices that are that are new to the HR field, whether they're coming in as an, as an HR specialist or you know, one of our, our, our frontline employees, our, our tier one support, and to get them excited about the field of HR, I love that. I love seeing mm. people that have never thought HR was going to be their their path. And then mm -hmm. you know, they apply for a job, we hire them, we bring them in, we start training them, and they start getting really excited about all the neat things that we get to do, particularly in a, in a college setting. It's just, it's fun because, you know, we actually get to start, we, we get them when they're student workers and they come to work, they come to work in HR and then realize, oh my 
goodness, we could actually make a career out of this. And it's a great mm-hmm. field to be in. And so being mm-hmm. able to see those, those student workers and our, on our, you know, entry level career positions that just had this great opportunity to say, you know, here's this suite of different things that you can do and getting to, you know, particularly I have a person in my office now that I am just so excited for her because um, she's been in the HR field about about a year and a half, two years, and she is just loving it. And she is so excited and she's just a little sponge that is just, I mean, Mm -hmm. just really just soaking up all of this stuff and being able to share with her, you know, look, you, you can, you've got a any number of different things that you can do. You could go to benefits, you could go training and development, you could do payroll, you could do, I mean, any compensation, I mean, analytics, this is the, you know, the biggest, newest wave in HR in the higher ed world. It's been in the corporate world for a long time, but is really looking at data analytics and HR analytics that can help us drive decisions. And so being able to see people that really get it can really start getting excited about that. I love that part of the job. Robert, what what would be a difference between HR in the academic world, the university world versus, say, the corporate world out there? And then what are the similar similarities? I think that the, the biggest um, difference is that in the higher ed world, we have faculty and staff. Um, we don't really call them employees as a general rule because faculty don't like to be called employees because they're not their faculty. And so what some people don't realize is that um, faculty members come into the field and they are looking for tenure track positions so that they can be a tenured professor at an institution. So they come and they stay as, a, as mm-hmm. for the most part, they come, they want to get tenure and they stay. And so we have faculty members on our campus that have been there 30 years, 35 years, mm-hmm very longevity that is that you don't necessarily see in the corporate world these days and more importantly um tenured once you are tenured then that is um, job protection and so if we are going to abrogate tenure for an employee for one of our faculty members that's a process that has to go through a board of trustees and it's it's a very very big deal so that's very different because you know we as HR professionals in the higher ed world have to understand that and have to understand there's a different way that we work with and connect with our faculty members than we do with our staff members. And so I think that that is, um, that's, that's probably the, one of the biggest differences is that. I think the other difference is that we we aren't necessarily selling a product. We're not selling oil and gas. We're not selling, um, but what but the product that we put out is education, educating our students that come to our campus that may be on a MBA program that are adult learners that are. So it's a very different kind of environment when you're thinking about what the product that we put out. And so one of the things that I spend a lot of time on is helping our HR office staff really understand what is the business of higher ed? Because that's the other piece that I think is important. And and one of the similarities, because it doesn't matter what kind of HR office you work in, you have to understand the business that you're in. It makes us better HR people when we understand the business. 
We need to understand the finance piece. We need to understand the products that are being developed. We need to understand all of those things. And that doesn't matter if you are working in higher education, in the IT world, in nonprofit public sector, in tribal governments. You need to understand your business. And if that's mm -hmm. the one thing that I could help early career HR professionals understand, know where you're working and know about the company that and the business that they do, because it's going to make you a much, much better HR person. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You talked about having tenured employees. I would think when there is an issue that is, wow, I, I can't imagine kind of how you finagle that in order to have a conversation because it's behavioral change. I mean, that's what you're requesting if there is an issue. And if they're tenured, wow, I, I, I would say I'd love to hear that story, but we're on a podcast, so we'll, we'll chink. <laughs> it's, a, it's a story that's much better told over a glass of wine. So the next time we do Got an OKHR, um, we'll, we'll, we, will, we will meet up at a little happy hour and I'll explain that. <laughs> I'm going to be very curious. Very curious. Um, you have talked about that you love um, teaching persons, the, you know, that there are so many different branches of HR. And how have you, you've talked about the one person who's so excited, but how do you get somebody excited that has been ingrained in this you know, they've worked there for 20 years, 30 years. How have you switched their ideas and gotten them excited about learning something new? Oh, that, um, that's a bigger challenge. It really is. But one thing that I've learned because I, I have you know, had an opportunity to work at a lot of different institutions. And I think that what every place that I've been to, what, what the, what our HR staff wants more than anything else is to feel like that, what they've done is important. Mm -hmm. So even when I'm coming in to make change, it's 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 in really talking through and helping them understand this is not change for change's sake, number one. And number two, it doesn't mean that everything that you've done in the past is wrong. It's just time for us to do it differently because we're a different organization than we were 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. we have to move forward with the times but you have to really spend some time honoring what they have done because that is so important that we're not just saying to people, oh, we're doing that different, that was stupid, you never should have done it that way. Mm -hmm. Honor the work that they have put in because some of, some, of, some of the people that work in our offices have been there for a long time and they've done some great work. It may not be the work that we need done in the next five years, but that doesn't mean the work that they did in the past was bad. It's just time for something different. Barbara, can I put you in my pocket and walk around with me every day? Because you're like, yes, right. go, make the changes. We've got it. Oh, yes. Way to go. Honor history. That's what I heard. Honor history. I love so, it. So, so important. We have a tendency um, uh, certainly, as I talk with other CHROs that, you know, we have a tendency to just go in guns a blazing and think, oh, we're going to make all these changes and we're going to do all this. Mm -hmm. and it's like, cool, we got to take a minute. We got to take a step back and we got to we got to honor the history. We've got to honor the work that's been done in our offices. 
then let's move forward. Yeah. What's your favorite tool in business? And how do you use it or apply it? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I think probably my absolute favorite is communication. You know, and especially now because there are so many fun ways to communicate with our, our with our faculty and staff. You know, you can, you can do Twitter, you can do um, you know LinkedIn, and all of these different social media apps. And um, but I I think that it is, but it is also one of the the tools that we forget about because it's you know, it's kind of one of those that's like, it should be in every one of our toolkits. It should be the first thing that we jump to is that communication piece, especially when you're talking about change management. But so I think communication is my favorite. I, I have been told, my Lord, would you stop talking about that? Because we are done with that. But <laughs> I would tell people about it over and over and over again. So Barbara, on, on that note, through my um, research, I, I found out that you, you like to write an HR weekly newsletter and uh, I'm interested in learning more about that and your process and, and what kinds of things you put in that newsletter because as a communications guy, those are those things are important to me too. So I, I, you know, tell me some of your tricks of the trade with that. Oh, I will tell you, I love it. That is um, because it's, and I, and I did it as a really easy way to just kind of meet people where they were and it gets into their, and, and we've done it as it gets into their mailbox or we do it on the intranet so that they can just pop out there and grab it if they want it. Um, and also we post it on LinkedIn and we've done a lot of other things like that. It is one of my absolute favorite things to do. And it's funny because I was doing it at um, University of North Texas System and we had it where it came out at the same time every week. It came out Monday at two o'clock. It was late one Monday. And I started getting emails and phone calls saying, where's our, where's, where's, where's our, where's our HR info? It was so funny. And it was like, oh, this is really working. So um, I'm a big proponent of that. I think that that's one of the things you need to do is it needs to come out same time, same day, every week, no matter what, even if all you have to add is just a couple of bullet points about stuff that's going on, keep people involved, keep people engaged, make sure that they know when to expect that information make sure it's good information. Make sure that you're sharing things that our employees want to know. I mean, there's always something going on that you can share with them, whether it's tips about, about, you know, hey, here's some leadership things you want to talk about. Here is just some info that's going on on our campus this week that we want you to have a heads up about. It's really about also talking with your counterparts in other areas to say, hey, what's important for our faculty staff to know that's going on this week? Yeah, so that we can mm -hmm. really ensure that that information is getting out to all of our employees. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Rob, I'm going to guess that we will is that we will have some of this information whenever we post this about how we can get some links to Miss Barbara and if she has other nuggets to share on LinkedIn. <laughs> Yay! Let's do that. Yes! Yay! <laughs> so excited. So. Well, you've talked about, I mean, we've talked about great information of change and, and communication, but what are you surprised about in HR or what surprises you in HR? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> probably the thing that surprises me the most is that a um, couple of things. I think the first thing really is I'm surprised when people think it's a boring job. 
Because people are like, oh my gosh, you do HR, that's got to be so boring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, it's the greatest job ever. It's never boring. Never, ever boring. I told somebody, I said, I'm going to write a book when I retire and it's going to be, you can't make this shit up. Because you can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't. And Rob's going to probably need to print that out. Sorry. <laughs> no, please leave it in, please. Oh, I love it. No. But it's true. So I, so I'm surprised when people say, "Oh, HR must be boring." It's really not. It's, um, it's terribly funny at times. And then the other thing that surprises me is, uh, is those times when, when I can't make something work for someone mm. because of a a legal issue, or it is something that we have no control over. And that is just so frustrating. It is just, um, and, and we've, we've had issues come up. I mean, we all, we all have in the HR mm-hmm. world. We've all been in situations where something happens that just breaks our heart. It is because, and, and there's nothing we can do about it because there are just some things that we can't fix. We, we can try, mm-hmm. we can figure it out. But, you know, when you have that person that, you know, their family member has passed away and they have to leave work because they've got things that they have to take care of and trying to figure out ways that to keep them, to give them the time that they need, but also make sure the job gets done. So those are difficult. Right. I think probably the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with is qualifying events with benefits. You know, it's a 30 day yeah. window, people. You got to get it done in 30 days. And if you don't, there's not a lot we can do about it. And so, you know, it's I know when you, know, yeah. you have you let people know this, you let them know. And then they have a baby and I totally get it. I have a child. Thank goodness. He's a grown man. But you get totally overwhelmed in those first mm-hmm. 30, those first 30 days. And so, and then you yep. don't get them on insurance and you can't after that. And so I yep. think those are the, those are the things that are surprising and like, Oh, how do we fix that? Yeah. So um, the, going back to writing your book <laughs> about things you can't make up. I have a friend. Hi, Lisa. Talked about my friend, Lisa. Um, who has said she's listened to these podcasts and she is not in the HR world. She goes, I've listened to your podcast and I want to be in HR now. That sounds so fun. So she's going to have to meet Miss Barbara and read your book too, because exactly. all of the fun stories. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. So what's awesome about being you? Oh, oh my gosh. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> awesome about being me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I will, although I will say this, I think what's really just kind of the greatest thing ever to be living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is such a great place. It is just no offense against Norman, Oklahoma city, but we are just way better. Well. So, oh, <laughs> the gauntlet down. Gauntlet down. Um, but I think that also I believe every day that we have a wonderful opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And whether it's a smile, whether it is a, hey, can I help you with that? Whether it is somebody that you work with or somebody that you work for or somebody that you just happen to be an acquaintance with, then we have an opportunity every day to do something great. And I think that that is 
that that attitude that I, I get from my family and it just makes all the difference in the world. So I guess that's that's what's pretty special about being Barbara Abercrombie. So Well, you shine for sure. So this conversation of Rob and I both not knowing you um, at all, you've made me smile just sitting, you know, watching you on Zoom and you exude energy. It's so, so fun. And thank you. Thank you very much. I know that you have timing today. So um, we do have a few end questions. So hopefully you can hang on for these little um, Fast, quick questions. Um, and so don't think about them too hard, Ooh. but um, we're going to end with these. So in the past year, what have you been surprised to learn about yourself? Um, the, I, the thing that's probably surprised me the most is I have loved being um, in isolation. <laughs> I have just... Oh. Loved it. I have loved not having to worry, not having to think about, am I going to see people today? Am I, you know, it is, I have to say it is, I've loved my little pod because, you know, we've got a little pod of, you know, my wife and my son and his wife and our, um, my mother-in-law. And, you know, so it's just, I have, I never thought I would just absolutely love it, but I have to say, I totally loved it. And now that we're having to like get out and be social again, I'm oh. thinking, Ooh, I'm going to have to think about how to do this so that it's not overwhelming because I have just loved being able to say, Oh, we're not doing anything tonight. Cause we're going to sit and I'm going to cook and I'm going to read and I'm going to get caught up on this. And so Yes, that is that. And, you know, just that is probably the thing that has surprised me the most over the last year, year and a half. Very fair. What mantra do you use for yourself and that you like to share with others? Oh, I have several that I use. Um, I think probably the one that kind of just goes through my mind a lot is it's a great day to have a great day. You know, that's just it. Every day you get up in the morning, it's a great day to have a great day because, and we yeah. control that. Nobody else controls that. We do. And so I just, I get up in the morning and go like, Today's a, it's a good day for a great day. This is it. It's going to be a great day. Yes. I agree. And I, I applaud you. We all need to um, adjust our attitudes a lot and, and choose for ourselves mm -hmm. to be great. Yes. And, and also just, and one other, one other thing that I do is, um, oh my gosh, probably 10 years ago, instead of doing um, New Year's resolutions, I do words of the year. Mm. And so, and so in kind of it's, I, that my intention is put into that word and my word this year is joy. And so, because, you know, I just, and, and so I, I encourage people to say, pick your word. What is, what is your year going to be? What is, what is going to be important for you this year? And so this year with everything going on and everything else, I said, you know, I really just want more joy in my life. I want to bring more joy to my family, to my friends, to the people I work with. And so I would encourage people, think about what your word would be. What was uh, your word for 2020? My word for 2020 was revolution. 
and it was a revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Well, be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Yes, I think that was. Yeah, you 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 stated it correctly. Uh, I was just going to say not any of that, but um, I, I had re-listened to part of Christy Spacey's podcast, and she does words. So Christy Spacey from Tulsa, and so I wonder if you guys had somehow connected about that. Yeah, Ooh, we need to connect on that. I love it. Yeah, revolution. Twenty twenty, and twenty twenty yeah, was me. a revolution. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you for sure projected that, uh, that was what was going to occur. Um, copying from Brene Brown's podcast. Um, she asks, what do most people get wrong about you? Oh, this is kind of funny. Um, I think that because because I do, I am very, very cheerful and I'm very outgoing and people get, people think I'm an extrovert and I'm not, I am a, just a total and complete introvert. <laughs> I get all of my energy from sitting at home doing nothing and just reading a book or, you know, I just, mm-hmm. so that's the thing that people most often get wrong about me is, is that I do okay. enjoy talking. I enjoy being out with people, but all my energy comes from that time when I can, because even, even my lovely, lovely wife will say, you need an evening to sit in the bedroom and not talk to anybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, tell, so that's curious to me that you started with um, being a, a training and then you're an introvert. So how did that mm-hmm. come about? I would... I was, um, my first job out of college was as a legal advocate for the Oklahoma Disability Law Center. And one of the things I learned how to do was um, social security hearings for people with mental, mental illness and developmental disabilities and getting them on social security. And so my next, when I went to the corporate world, they learned I knew how to do this and they were like, oh, could you train people how to do that? And I'm like, sure, I can do that. Why not? Uh-huh. And um and so that's how I did it. It was just sharing a skill set. And so I ne- I didn't really think about it as being an extrovert. I just thought, oh, I'm sharing a skill set with these people. So, and and that's it. But boy, I'll tell you what, it was like, okay, I need a nap now. So. Yeah, change. it changed your traje- trajectory for sure. Yes. So what recent TV show have you been obsessed with? Okay, this is so funny because... Um, I, you know, I missed a lot of TV when I was traveling for my corporate job, raising a family, um, and working on my PhD. And so I never saw friends. Oh, so I got, I got to to watch start to finish friends and then watch the reunion. It was so good. I totally, I figured out what everyone was talking about. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> and I'm also, uh, I'm also watching the Americans. I had started that, but is it so good? It's so good. It's so good. I have to limit how much I watch though, because if I watch more than one at night, it gives me nightmares. <laughs> so, so I, I just something to keep in mind. 
Yeah, because the the Americans is about a Russian whatever. It's about they, Russian spies. Yes, they that have are, moved. That, that that are Americans. And yeah, integrated to America, and yes. and then they create a family and all of this stuff. But they are Russian spies. Yes. And you think, oh my goodness, what's happening on what's happening next door to me? Makes you yes. paranoid. It does make you paranoid. It makes you want to go meet up with your neighbors and go tell me about what you're really doing up there. <laughs> What's in your basement? What's in your attic? Oh my goodness. Okay. We'll have to we'll have to remember that. I may need to start watching that again. All right. And also, so what book or podcast has had the most profound effect on you and how did it change you? Oh, um there've been so many. I think probably the one that has really changed my um, change how I lead is daring greatly. Brene Brown, she it, that book just that the gifts of imperfection and her uh, daring leadership. I highly recommend all of them. They they have made me a better a better human being and a better leader. And it's mm-hmm. they're just thought provoking. Very thought-provoking really make you think about what what is it that you want to share about your life mm-hmm. barbara i got a question i want to know about all the basketballs you have in your house and your love of WNBA, please oh okay when we were here in tulsa previously um and i'm so sad i'm not in my office where i can turn my camera and show you all my my WNBA balls um but when i when we were here in tulsa we were season ticket holders for the tulsa shock for every season they were they were here and so i've signed balls from the team from from um all of the years that we were season ticket holders and i have them above my bookcase in the office so everyone that comes in i have a bobblehead i have bobbleheads from the different players and everything else so i'm a huge wnba fan i'm a huge women's basketball fan i think that um, and I think what's happened with women's sports is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking earlier about the the um, OU women's um, softball team, which is just so great. I'm so <laughs> proud of them. So, um, so yes, I you gotta you gotta come into my office and check out all of my signed basketballs. It's and pretty phenomenal. Is, what is a Rebecca Lobo Barbie doll? <laughs> Have you been talking to you? <laughs> I have a vintage um, Rebecca Lobo Barbie that was done back in the 80s when it was the first season the WNBA was was had started. And the the Barbie company did a Rebecca Lobo Barbie. And it is hysterical. I, it is still in the box. I have not taken it out. But it's so funny. On the box it says, she really shoots and scores. So. <laughs> she really does. She really does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this has been so fun. And we know that you have uh, somewhere else to be. And we thank you for taking your time with us. But how can people connect with you um, and get more information about hey, you? I would love that. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, send me an email. I'm easy to find on the TU website. Um, if you're ever in Tulsa and you want to come see our campus, I would love to show you around. It is such a great place to be. And I'm just, and I, I'm going to put a plug in. I'm going to have a job opening. And so if anyone is a comp and data person, hook me up because I am 
super excited about the, the possibility of new people coming to start. It's going to be wonderful. And thank you guys so much. It has been such a joy to be on the call with you today. This has been big time fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, Barbara. Barbara Abercrombie. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.